All right, welcome to another edition of the Hardwood Huddle. Welcome, Baxter Bill Ingram, the Lord Vader himself. He is the Jedi Knight. He is the Sith leader. He is, he's you know, he looks better in that uh, Jedi outfit than Ray does. He's Mr. <laughs> Bill Ingram. And uh, No, I don't look better than Daisy Ridley does in that outfit. <laughs> I didn't say Daisy Ridley. I said Ray. Um, <laughs> with that being said, we welcome... Uh, you, of course, not only the Back Sports page audience, but as well as the audience from Cave Talk Radio. Thank you for making us part of your week as we try to give you the most intelligent, most most realistic, most common sense NBA talk out there today. And I got to tell you, first off, give us a follow up backsportspage.com. Listen to the show at Hardwood Huddle on all your podcast platforms. Mr. Ingram, as you can see, if you're watching the video on YouTube, just threw down one of his favorite beverages. Mr. How is your week, my friend? Really good. Uh, you know, we're about to get to the finally the end of NBA preseason. The Astros have advanced. Uh, I mean, what, what more can you ask for as a sports fan, really? Well, you could have, you know, the Yankees could have done a little bit better. But I, listen, that's just me. I, 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 Yankees? Uh, ah. Well, if Garrett Cole didn't need the pitching coach he had in Houston, maybe. Okay. You know, you, 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 you have to just sort of like throw that back at us, huh? <laughs> I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bill Curveball. Did you see that? Yeah. For, well, for those who don't know, Bill is down in Houston, Texas. He is a very big Astros fan. Um, we are, and of course, when it comes to Houston basketball, Akeem Olajuwon will do no wrong. And you know what? It's just not for, from that perspective. Akeem really couldn't do any wrong. I just he best center since uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. No one's no one's. And uh, you know what, Bill? I'm retired. I mean, you know. No one could block the sky hook until Akeem said, oh, I'll take that. Whoop. All right. <laughs> he, he looked at me and went, gotcha. He, got <laughs> he just went, gotcha. So real quick, um, before we have Rick Lachlan from the Nets Insider going to join us to talk everything Kyrie. We're going to preview the Nets a little bit more, and we'll also jump around the league. And, in fact, let's welcome in right now Mr. Rick Lachlan. There he is from the Nets Insider. Very good. Very good to have him back on again. Good to be here. Uh, and, and Rick, I, you know, before we jump into um, the Nets, uh, I want to bring up the conversation that Bill and I were having yesterday off air, obviously, but it was about the Los Angeles Lakers. I, w- I would love to get another voice, maybe maybe the contrary to our opinion voice. But, man, I got to tell you, Russell Westbrook and LeBron James together just doesn't sort of feel right. I got to lead off with this, Randy. You made the Star Wars reference. We're talking about Kyrie, whose worldviews are from a galaxy far, far away. And we had the audio issues where everyone sounds like droids. I don't know what universe I'm in right now. But, no, to get to to your point seriously, though, I'm in the same boat as you are, I believe, Randy. I mean, this is five years too late as far as bringing Russell Westbrook into the fold with LeBron James. And, look, LeBron, he's slowing down. He's another worldly athlete. He's incredible. I just don't see that team. I mean, you know, he's even acknowledged that he found it humorous how all these memes are going around about, you know, instead of the golden girls, the golden boys, how it's all the uh, guys 35 and up on the squad. And look, I mean, it's a decorated roster. I mean, it, it talent wise, if you're talking five or six, seven years ago, there's no way a team could afford to have this uh, immense talent and high priced players on a, on a team. But obviously LeBron sees that he's at the tail end, if not, past his prime at this point and needs all the reinforcements he can. And you have Russ Westbrook, who's still searching for a title as is Carmelo Anthony. And I just think they're a little too long in the tooth to 
withstand a long season and be able to make it through and, you know, beat the Phoenix Suns of the world or the other teams that maybe come back in the West strong, or I, I just don't see them coming out of the Western conference with the, with the roster as it's presently constituted. I, I could see them being ousted in the first or second round, frankly, depending on the matchup. Billy, I know you want to chime in on this. Yeah, I mean, the memes that I've seen are the ones that compare this group to the Carl Malone uh, Lakers, which was on paper, Gary Payton, Carl Malone, that, on paper, great. And if all those players had been five to ten years younger, yes, but they weren't. They were all towards the end of their careers, and they weren't able to compete. And when you look at, not that we want to overemphasize what preseason means, but the Phoenix Suns have come back and several of their players have taken a step. And Randy and I talked about this in our Western Conference preview. The key to Phoenix for getting back to the finals and the key to them maintaining their even their status in a West where you've got the Warriors back healthy and maybe the Mavericks figure it out and the Lakers have added star power and all, all that's going on in the West, uh, you've got to have those young players take a step. And it looks like they have, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So um, I think when you look at the Lakers and you look at the, as you mentioned, the age, and you look at the competition around them, uh, the West is going to be ridiculous. Uh, it really is. So are they a playoff team? Of course. Are they a home court advantage team? Probably. Are they a Western Conference Finals team? Uh, not without some injuries and some, something has to go wrong with some other teams for the Lakers to be there, honestly. Yeah, and, and I'll throw another another stat in there too. You you said are they a home court advantage team? And you you have to second guess it because you have the Utah Jazz are gonna come back hungry. You have the Denver Nuggets are gonna be steady. You have the Los Angeles Clippers that find a way in their in the top half of the Western Conference because of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. So and then I know I'm leaving somebody out. Um you know, if you want to put the Lakers in there, the Phoenix Suns, you have the Phoenix Suns who are coming back with Chris Paul. But I'm I'm wondering if they are going to have that one-year magic and then not going to be able to surprise everybody like they've done in the past type of situation. I, I'm not, I'm just not sure. Uh, I don't look at the Mavericks as a threat as of yet. They have to prove to me uh, that that they're going to be able to really make that Porzingis Luca dynamic work. It. So do I think the Lakers are going to be a top four team in the, in the West? Most likely too. But I, I look at it as, is there enough basketballs to, to go around? I, I don't see LeBron James as being a guy who will be able to play the type of game he's known to play and that he's able to play without having the ball in his hands. And Russell Westbrook has proven throughout his whole NBA career that he needs the ball in his hand to be effective. And there's Anthony Davis, who still has a little bit of an ego sitting there saying, I'm still a 20 to 25 point per game scorer. And, and then there's Carmelo Anthony saying, look, I know I'm not the main, the main guy here, but I still like to get my 12 points off the bench. So there's got to be enough basketballs to go around. So in the LeBron James, I think the real problem is going to be here is LeBron James and Russell Westbrook. They're going to have to sort of work their way through this. And it's going to get – I think it's going to get ugly. I think they'll figure something out, and which is going to help us transition to the Nets in a second because, Rick, I know you cover the Nets, and – one of the big things is we talk about making the chemistry work and finding the roles for everybody. And Bill and I broke this down heavily yesterday. Kyrie Irving not being on the court in some senses doesn't hurt the team because James Harden 
has just playing been playing the point guard ever since he came to the Nets last year. But you look at this team, Blake Griffin is not going to be a 20 point per game score, but he might be able to give you 15 and 12 on a nightly basis with what he's able to do. You're going to get scoring out of LaMarcus Aldridge. You so I don't know if he's going to be starting or if he's coming off the bench, but he is an upgrade from DeAndre Jordan. So you're, you're so I'm I'm sorry. I'll, I promise I'll give you the floor. Just give me one more second. I promise. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I I'm I'm waiting for my zinger. I'm gonna throw a zinger at you, but go ahead. I'm waiting for oh, you're done. I appreciate that. Um, and then you, of course, you have you know, the other role players that they have. I think Patty Patty Mills is going to be a very key person for this team this upcoming season. Oh, yeah, without without Kyrie there. And then you're, of course, you have Joe Harris, and then you have a lot of the same guys who were on the bench from last year. So now you're uh, actually some younger players, some lower level draft picks who are on the team who are going to be able to contribute whenever those guys take nights off. And of course, you have the best player in the world, Kevin Durant. So, uh, Rick, I ask you it, does Kyrie make or break this team? Because you still have four all star players. Well, I got to give you props, Randy. You scheduled the podcast right during a preseason game. So that was fantastic planning on our part. No, but I mean, if you're talking about Steve Nash, I'm just kidding, Randy. But it's Steve Nash mixing and matching with different combinations. I mean, even tonight, uh, of course, I'm unable to watch at this point, but I did see a little bit before we came on, was that he's starting, uh, you know, James Harden. He also has Joe Harris, Kevin Durant, and he actually has, uh, he actually has Paul Millsap starting alongside Nicholas Claxton. So, there's a lot of flexibility depending on the matchup, depending on, you know, if LaMarcus Aldridge can be on the court as a starter, uh, depending on the opponent, how much they stretch the floor. I think Steve Nash has some line of flexibility. And frankly, from an emotional standpoint, from not having his teammates, and we'll get into Kyrie in a minute, but not having to answer questions about when, when is he going to show up? Is he going to, is he not going to get the vaccine? I think it just basically puts all the burden onto Kyrie that he wants it to be his decision anyway. So I am actually the Nets. This is a very delicate situation. You're dealing with a very sensitive individual that wants his own personal freedom to make any choice, whether that's I'm leaving for personal reasons to disappear for two weeks, or I'm not going to comply with not even NBA mandates, but local city mandates. So he, unfortunately he's a loose cannon. Um, and I'm not going to get into the whether, you know, he should or shouldn't get it. But at the same time, you know, it, there's there's kind of a, a bigger sense that, you know, it's not just all about him. He's on, in, a, in a team environment. But nonetheless, I think the Nets have made the right and set the right course moving forward is that, look, you know, hop on the train. Otherwise, it's leaving the station. And, you know, if you decide to, you know, come come on our side of this situation, then the train will come around, swing around and pick you up. And until then we have a season to get going with. So I think it was the, the healthiest way, the best way. And I think that Sean Marks and Joe Ty and Steve Nash handled it as delicately as possible. But I'm, I'm, at the end of the day, their hands was their hand was essentially, essentially forced to give him an ultimatum and say enough is enough. We have to move on with our season. Well, as we've seen, the mandate that President Biden put forth has dramatically decreased the the uh, spread of the virus. We're seeing dramatically fewer cases. We're seeing fewer deaths. We're seeing fewer hospitalizations. This doesn't come as shock to many of us who believe in science and understand that when you let medical professionals make the medical decisions, generally things are going to go better. 
Um, but when you have someone like Kyrie, you know, when you I spoke to a, a Western Conference uh, front office executive uh, one day this week about Kyrie. There were some rumors about, oh, teams are interested in acquiring Kyrie. And this is a, a Western Conference contender. I don't want to say which one because then it narrows down who I spoke to. But I will say a Western Conference contender who Kyrie, if he were healthy and smart, would be an upgrade from their point guard. So there is no chance not not even a discussion they wouldn't have with Sean Marks, not because Kyrie isn't extremely talented, but because the culture kill that you take from having a guy who lives on his own planet, who thinks the world is flat, who thinks whatever, like the most random things and takes, as you mentioned, alluded to weeks off sort of randomly. You can't build a team around that. I don't care how talented the player is. It could be LeBron. It could be KD. It could be Elijah one. If you've got a guy, Kawhi Leonard, the Clippers have this problem. You're very talented. You're amazing. But if you can't figure out how to play and there's like weird parts of the season where you just decide you're not going to show up and nobody really knows why you're not there, you can't win a, you cannot win a championship that way. You can't. And the Nets have put so many pieces in place around Kevin Durant. And let's just be honest, that's, that's your MVP in – uh, Brooklyn, they've put so many pieces around him that Kyrie is completely beside the point. So I applaud them for doing what they're doing. I love Randy. I'm sorry, go ahead. His decision. I support that whole thing. Yes, you have a choice. You have the option not to get vaccinated. By all means, you have that choice. But you also then must face the consequences at work. If I decided I wasn't going to be vaccinated, I wouldn't have a job. So. Even if I wasn't just smart and want, and got vaccinated just because I don't want to get the virus, if it wasn't for that, the job incentive would certainly make me decide to get vaccinated. And if I could, Randy, I was going to just uh, piggyback off that. The fact that as a Net fan, we were just talking before the start of the show, Randy, comparing memorabilia from the 2001-2002 season, 2002-2003 back-to-back finals runs. Well, guess who was watching that? Maybe a few years younger than you and I would be uh, watching Jason Kidd lead those back-to-back NBA Finals clinching teams. That was Kyrie Irving. I mean, Kyrie Irving grew up as a Jersey kid, grew up in West Orange, lifelong Net fan, always dreamed about bringing a title to then New Jersey, now Brooklyn, to the Nets franchise. Here he is with hand-picked teammates that we knew this going in, Randy, that you don't get Kevin Durant without Kyrie Irving. And we knew about the baggage around Kyrie and how he had a penchant for self-destructing and bringing down a franchise along with that but when you have a an all-world talent like Kevin Durant you can't really turn that kind of situation down right and it just makes me think when what is going to be the next issue the next hurdle that's going to happen with Kyrie Irving and I can't I've seen reports now that the Nets and Sean Marks have withdrawn any type of contract extension offer. Um, and I, you know, I can't blame them because this is the ideal situation. He's not in LeBron's shadow. He's playing with legitimate friends that are off the court that are, they, they consider themselves best buds and he can't seem to get things right here. It just almost seems like he's too conflicted. He has his mind in too many different places uh, to be able to be a productive player for this franchise. And again, the only good thing to come out of his Instagram rant from the Nets perspective is he basically ruled out the idea of retirement. So he at least has some trade value now, which I'm, you know, I'm hearing from through Bill and through his sources, again, the, the Western Conference contenders that might be interested in him. 
at least he didn't completely uh, screw the Nets over by killing his own trade value by the threat of retirement. That's really the only silver lining in the situation that Kyrie has created and made a terrible situation for the Nets and their fans. And, and I'll throw something else out there too with the Kyrie situation. You know, Bill and I talked about on how they might want to move him to Philadelphia. Obviously, maybe Durant making that hard stance of maybe he just didn't want to play with Ben Simmons. That might be a stance that maybe Kyrie, uh, sorry, that Kevin Durant has made. But I, I think the one thing that everybody's sort of forgetting too is Kyrie is 29 years old. Not There's not a lot of really smart people at the age of 29. You're still in that learning phase. Look, we're all forgetting that Kyrie's been in the league for how many years now? And he's used to having – look, when he was in Cleveland, he was in LeBron's shadow. When he was in Boston, he was in Jason Tatum and Jalen – that was not his team. That was Jason Tatum's team. He, he Now he's on another team where it's not his team still. It's Kevin Durant's team, and he's being looked at as, as the little buddy, as the little sidekick. You know, at this point in time, he's got to start making decisions on, on what's on, that's going to affect everybody else around him. If he's going to get the vaccine, he, he if he really cares about the team and can, really is committed about winning a championship, he has to put his pride aside and start really looking at the big picture. Now, again, I joked with Bill, I think, earlier today and yesterday, too, that Kyrie's probably just going to wait till All-Star break. He wants to have the first half of the season off, and then he's going to get the vaccine, and he'll come in midseason, and then all this is going to be gone at a later point. Then he'll get his extension and so on and so forth. Um, I think the biggest issue that the Nets are going to have right now is still the chemistry issue. And But I think the, the biggest thing that they did to reassure themselves that everything was going to be okay was bringing in Patty Mills. I'm transitioning back over to that because Patty Mills is a guy who puts the hard helmet on, goes to work, does exactly what the coach needs to do. He was great for Popovich all these years. He's going to do whatever Steve Nash asks him to do. And they can't exactly leave him open because he could hit jump shots when needed and drive to the basket. He'll light you up. Yeah, he'll light you up too. So I think the Nets might actually be better with Kyrie on, on the floor. Obviously, he's a bare talent, but you're going to have a guy who can help navigate the ball uh, the ball around and be the coach on the floor like Patty Mills is going to be able to do. And I mean, I think you just hit the nail on the head because Kyrie is the clear-cut third scoring option in the Nets offense when he's there. I mean, we talked about upon the James Harden trade how – Harden needed to be take on that more of a facilitator role. I mean, boy, did he ever. What, 11.9 assists last year? The scoring yeah. obviously went down because he was trying to get everyone in the flow of the offense. They have more veteran leadership and weapons. I think the bench was a lot deeper. I felt Steve Nash, frankly, that was a difficult series against the Milwaukee Bucks with uh, basically Kevin Durant carrying everybody on their back. But it felt I felt a little bit of mistrust on Steve Nash's part as far as going deep into that bench. One of the reasons I thought they even won game five was the emergence of Jeff Green as an X factor, making tremendous amount of threes and defensive plays. And he kind of got away from that when the lights were brightest. It was the biggest moment. It was just Durant and Durant and Durant and see how far we can carry us until he ran out of gas. And it's just not a sustainable model. So I think that, again, had James Harden been I was still not convinced that the Nets came out of that Milwaukee Bucks series. With James Harden in the rough shape that he was in, with Durant looking totally gassed, I, I wasn't convinced they were going to be a surefire shoe-in candidate to be to win the NBA Finals. But if two of those players are healthy and the circumstances are the same, they could have done it without Kyrie. So I agree with you, Randy. I mean, he is not an inexpendable piece on this team. And 
all the headaches he's creating, all the distractions, all the what ifs, it's almost become when is enough is enough is enough. And like Bill said, like you said, like I said, finally, the Nets just got fed up. They drew a line in the sand. They're very fair. They 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 told him what was coming down the pipeline and they've basically reached an ultimatum. And I was curious if, if Bill has a little more insight because Kyrie said in his Instagram rant that he had been trying to file for religious exemption and was denied. But from everything I read and they tracked that he had not even done that. So is there any indication that he's tried to, you know, get around the vaccine by filing for a religious exemption? Because the the reports I read were absolutely to the contrary. He has not. I think that's completely he's just ranting and, and he just says whatever happens to come to mind. And because uh, the people that I've spoken to that I've never, that never came up when he said that, I was like, you did what? Yeah. Why isn't that a story? And you know how the NBA front office is. They hand everything off to either charms or, you know, one of the Twitter guys to break it before they release. I don't know why they do that, but they do um, to release that information. Not even from the rumor mongers has that been a thing. I think he's just spinning Kyrie world, you know, sort of twilight zone, uh, much the way our former president did, just said things and pretended they were true. Doesn't matter. The thing that comes back to me, and I've said this to Randy, I don't know how many times, Kyrie Irving went to Duke, for God's sake. I used to to go to class. (laughs) This kid is so bright when he was the first few years in the league before I was, when I was still covering the league full time. I would take every opportunity to sit down with Kyrie because I just thought, man, this is a smart guy. Like Shane Battier was one of those guys. You just didn't want to miss an opportunity. Tracy McGrady, you wanted to have that minute to get their perspective on things. And now Kyrie has turned into like sociopath, like Mr. Ryan reinvent my reality every five minutes. So no, if he has done that, it's the first any of us had heard of it. I think including the league front office. It doesn't excuse it. Look, you've got two things. You've got a country, a world that's fighting a global pandemic. The United States had very bad luck when it started because we didn't have leadership that could figure out whether it was real or not. Then we got different leadership that immediately got the vaccine out there. Now there's a mandate. The mandate has dramatically decreased the instances of this virus. Then you've got a league that's a a business that has said, if you want to play for us, You must get this virus. Why? It's in the best interest of the business. The NBA is a business. You don't want one player or two or three saying, oh, well, for whatever crazy reason, we want to take horse medicine instead of the coat. And then you wind up with what we had last season, which is all of a sudden half a team is missing because of some coronavirus. No, let's get past that. I don't like wearing a mask in public. No one does. We want to be back in the locker rooms. We want to be back at business as usual. The best thing for the country and the best thing for the league is for everyone to get vaccinated. And let's get back to things. Let's not spend another two or three years with this thing going on and on. And uh, Kyrie just can't seem to put that. It's all about him. He's like, He's like house, you know, house MD. Everything's about himself. He can't look outside of himself long enough to go, what's best for the league and and the country is more important than my particular idiosyncratic whatever thing, reality. Listen to the Hardwood Huddle here on BackSportsPage.com and Cave Talk Radio. Rick from the Nets Insider joining us right now. 
and and also too, let's take the, the Kyrie situation out of it too. Kevin Durant came off a major surgery and returned and looking better than he did the, the previous season with Golden State. First off, whatever he's taking, I want some. Um, but look, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. It might have helped during 2019, 2020 when he sat rehabbing and not playing and he was still getting, what, 40, $41 million. So that, that probably helped a little bit. I mean, you talk about the Nets, what they've invested in this now big three. Durant doesn't play year one. Kyrie plays but then gets injured and then opts out because of the bubble and then you had the drama with him disappearing for two weeks injured during the playoffs and not playing now i mean it's just never ending with sean marks you know hedged his bets on three of these all world players and now even harden and who knows if that's related to Kyrie's situation as well he's basically saying i've i've never been a free agent i stand to make 60 million more over the course of an ex- possible extension which, but he's saying it's not about the money. But then when you look at the numbers, it, it is about the money. Oh, yeah. And depending on how Kyrie handles this situation and the Nets handle Kyrie, does James Harden want to be here? So th- there's a ripple effect. And I, I don't envy Sean Marks. This is a delicate situation. And you have guys that are so tight knit in Kyrie and Kevin Durant, especially. Uh, you, you don't want to make any enemies, even though you already have Kevin Durant on the hook. Um, you know, James Harden is, you know, saying he wants to finish his career in Brooklyn, but he's not putting pen to paper. It's, it's just a mess. I mean, it really is. I, I think what's going to have, what's going to have make that decision easier is to see how far they ru- make a run in the playoffs. This look, the simple fact of the matter is James Harden, James Harden playing the way he did before he got hurt last year, reassured the net that Kevin Durant was going to stay here because James Harden build up and Bill's not a James Harden fan whatsoever. But even Bill said the other day, he said, since he became a net, I know he's probably being a good soldier right now, but Kevin Durant has, uh, sorry, James Harden has played the best basketball of his career in the, in the Nets uniform. All around playing, passing the ball, getting guys involved, and even showed a little sign of playing defense. Not much, but even showed a little, a little sign of playing defense. He put a finger up. Yeah. <laughs> He said, you need me to stay in the lane? I'll stay here for two seconds. That's all you get out of me. Two seconds. And I'll be honest, from that, I mean, from day one, his Nets debut, he was the first net, I think, the first player to have a 30-point or more triple-double with his new team in a team debut. I mean, from day one that he's joined the Nets, and look, was he maybe 20 to 25 pounds overweight? Yes. Did the hamstring injury probably relate to the fact that he didn't report the training camp in time in an already shortened offseason, and that was a lingering issue he never got resolved? Probably. But as far as his basketball IQ, what he's done to evolve and adapt to his game, I mean, I I maybe was more optimistic than most, but he has even far surpassed anything I thought because, like I said, I would watch James Harden in some of those battles against the Golden State Warriors, and I would just basically – his role was the usage rate and shooting the ball constantly, and it almost became aggravating to me. And for him to be able to basically flip that switch, understand from day one what it took to get this team to a championship level, and they were there – before the injuries hit, uh, it's truly incredible. And like like you said, Randy, I mean, it's uh, James Harden is in James Harden and Kevin Durant are indispensable, indispensable, and Kyrie Irving's not even close to that category. But you have to see how the offseason, we have to see how the season plays out. Like you said, to see if they are going to be in the championship conversation, which they were the odds-on title favorite when Kyrie was in the mix, and now. All of a sudden, you're seeing some of those Western Conference teams, as you mentioned, Phoenixes of the world, Utah Jazz coming back that, you know, you don't have Kyrie and you don't have a fully loaded barrel. Maybe they could, you know, knock you off. But 
look at look at Miami's offseason. I mean, my God, <laughs> Miami yeah. was like, okay, I, that's my pick right there. Uh, especially the way, and again, it's preseason. What does that mean? But Kyle Lowry <laughs> has been dominant. Uh, you know, stepping into a new jersey. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's not a given at all, even if Kyrie comes and plays and he's smart or he's on planet Earth, the round Earth that we live on. Uh, it's not a given at all because the East is tough. The top of the East is going to be tough. Atlanta takes another step. Um, you And Miami is mind blowing. And Milwaukee, granted, they lost P.J. Tucker, but does uh, does the Greek freak? get that mid-range game going that he's been working on all summer. If so, Milwaukee's still, you know, it's not a given in the East. Nothing's given. I don't think in either in either conference, and this is the first time in a long time that we haven't gone into a season going, well, it's either going to be one or two teams out of each conference, and we can pretty much – and you're right. You know, now that, that number has expanded to where there's maybe three or four teams from certainly the West – and two or three teams in the East that you really legitimately have a shot at being in the finals. Yeah, and it's funny too. You you say with Miami, I've been, as Bill knows on this show, I've been screaming. Whoever will listen to me, that Miami actually built their team around players and got position players uh, of uh, and filled holes that they needed. You look at like I know, obviously the PJ Tucker situation is what it is. But they needed a defensive dog out there, and that's what he was supposed to be. They went out there. They needed a better point guard than what they had. So they go out and got Kyle Lowry, a guy who has had experience, to work with the Tyler Heroes and the Robinsons of the world. You know, I, I, I still like Miami. I still think that Miami is, is fixing their team and putting guys around Jimmy Butler to complement him, not putting superstars around him to play next to. Jimmy Butler did not make demands of guys who he wants to play with. Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra are working together, putting a team together, not a bunch of guys hoping that they're going to gel. And I think that's the biggest difference between Miami, the Nets, and, and the Lakers for the Nets. And again, I mean, the Nets have the star power. Even LaMarcus Aldridge, who, of course, was forced to retire prematurely in April, the hard issue that he had stemming back from his college days, really. And, I mean, he admitted he sat and watched that Milwaukee series, particularly games six and seven. And uh, just said, man, if I could just help them on the inside and one mid-range shot or one block shot and watching Durant, what, go for 49 points in game five and 48 points in, in game seven uh, against a guy like P.J. Tucker, who was a shutdown, lockdown defender. I mean, it's just like you said, I mean, you can't count on Kevin Durant, who now, let's not forget, is what, 32, 33 years of age. You know, he's basically in the tail end of his prime. I know he missed some time and, you know, with with uh, how athletes nowadays take care of their bodies. And we've seen LeBron has stayed on top of his game until his early to mid-30s. How many more years of prime Kevin Durant you're going to have in the tank? I, I agree with Bill. It's not a shoe-in. It's not a cakewalk through the Eastern Conference, uh, particularly if you're not going to be at full strength. And, you know, again, even a lot of these guys like Millsap and Aldridge, you know, are you going to play them more than 20 minutes a night? Are they, are you can even have an Aldridge on the court against the golden state warriors of the world that are stretching the, the floor one through five. Um, there, there's more question marks than there are answers for this Nets team. And like I said, at least there's one less distraction with Kyrie Irving out of the picture for now until, until he figures out his, 
his world, Kyrie's world. Yeah. Well, I, and, and again, Rick, I'll ask you this question. We have Rick Lachlan from the Nets Insider here uh, on the Hardwood Huddle back sports page and Cave Talk Radio. Uh, Rick, if I had to ask you to give me your top eight in the East, let's see if it matches up to where Bill and I had our uh, top. I think we had top Bill, eight. Okay. Yeah, with or without Kyrie, obviously, as it stands now, without Kyrie, correct? Correct. Okay. I still, I still think the Nets have that leadership and veteran leadership, star power ability. I still would rank them one. I would put the Philadelphia 76ers at two. Now with the development of Ben Simmons reporting, hopefully making nice with Joel Embiid and Doc Rivers and that smoothing things over there. Um, and then I think for some reason, Milwaukee, I, you know, look, Giannis, he overcame what could have been a catastrophic injury in that NBA finals. I mean, I thought that that was going to be, you know, out for a year. Kevin Durant type of injury came back. I think Milwaukee, there was a lot of fortuitous things that happened last season. I, I think they're still going to be a solid contending for the top record in the East. I still think that Brooklyn and Philadelphia are going to be ahead of them. So I have Brooklyn, Philly, Milwaukee. And I agree with you. I think Miami is that is that next echelon team a blue collar team maybe not the star power but they're one through five really even one through ten are going to just make you work for everything and, and then it gets kind of hairy from there I mean I you know I, I would probably look at maybe the Boston Celtics and the Knicks being right in that mix in the five six potentially um, and then the set the Chicago Bulls I think have made a lot of moves that have kind of raised a lot of eyebrows I think they're maybe a year or two away I could see the Chicago Bulls at, you know, the seven spot. And I got to be honest, Randy, that that eight seed could come up for grabs. Um, maybe an Indiana Pacers squad. I don't know. The Wizards, if they improved with with uh, Russell Westbrook leaving and, and Bradley Beal situation with the vaccine, I'd probably slot the Pacers in at the eight seed. But that you could probably convince me of otherwise. That's probably my top eight. Skipped right over the Atlanta Hawks. <laughs> oh you're yeah yeah okay well they're my eight then they're my eight i'm not as i'm not bullish on the hawks very honestly that's just me though look i i feel after watching a little bit of the preseason so far uh my opinion has not changed much rick has not heard me give my uh, top eight in the eastern conference yet so i'm gonna let him have it right now uh, i still think miami is the is the all-around best team all-around best team, the way they built their franchise. Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra has done an amazing job. I'm putting them as their number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Really? With, or without, wow. yeah, with or without Kyrie, I still think the Nets still have the, enough talent to make that work. And it really comes down to Steve Nash right now and putting the right pieces in the, on the court at the right time uh, around Kevin Durant because that's really what it comes down to. Uh, so when you have the best player in the world right now, he's, he still has earned the right to be in the second spot in the Eastern Conference. I'm putting the Milwaukee Bucks third. I still think people are going to underestimate the, the loss of P.J. Tucker to that team. Uh, but Giannis, if Giannis really put the time in to develop a mid-range jumper and work on the holes in his game to become an elite player, uh, we can have a different conversation halfway through the season. But I, I still think it's what it comes down to. Giannis is a is a superstar player, not an elite player, but he's a superstar player with a very good number two, number three that complement him in Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton. And of course, we're not even talking about what Brooke Lopez, the former, 
as a seven footer who can take you inside and outside as Brooke has proven that he also has a three point game as well. I still think Milwaukee is behind the other two teams because they have not made any significant changes to improve their team. They actually lost a little bit by break by PJ Tucker walking away. So I honestly feel that Milwaukee is the number three team. Now it gets a little interesting with because you have three teams sort of battling for that last home court. And I'm going with the Atlanta Hawks as the number four in my top eight, the East, because I watched a little bit of them, a little bit of them during the preseason. And yes, they weren't playing all their guys, but that's a very hungry team that lost in the conference final. Trey Young desperately wants to get back there. I think Nate McMillan has his team focused. And I think because they won the offseason last year, this team is only getting better with another year together with that coach. Uh, the number five seed is going to be a toss between the Philadelphia 76ers and the Boston Celtics, but now the Boston has lost Marcus Smart for a little while. I don't know how that's really going to affect the team. So I would put Philly at five, assuming that they can get this chemistry they think taken care of uh, with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Boston at six. Uh, and then I'm going to put the Chicago Bulls at seven. I watched a little bit of them during the preseason. Man. They're, they're coming together really, really, really nice. I like what they're doing. I'll put the Knicks eight because of, again, I watched them a little bit last night too, and I saw what they were able to put together. Uh, and yes, it's preseason. And then the Indiana Pacers and the Charlotte Hornets hanging around as well. Definitely something to keep an eye on. The only thing I really disagree with you on, uh, first of all, the Charlotte Hornets – Lost by 85 points to the Mavs. <laughs> now, granted, Charlotte didn't play there, you know, whatever. And the Mavs were the Mavs are trying to get their actual starting unit. They were playing the cheerleaders, Bill. <laughs> yeah, on the same page. And Christoph Porzingis and Luca in particular, a kid is doing what you and I have talked about on this show many times. You have to put them together and say, We're not ever separating you. You two must figure it out. And it looks like Again, preseason, it looks like Luca and KP have figured it out. And Christoph Porzingis has been introduced to the paint, that painted area. Yes. People who are seven foot three should really try to hang out once in a while. And if he's going to do that. But anyway, so Charlotte got buried. I don't, I'm not a believer in the, uh, in the Hornets like you are, but the rest of, of what you said, Miami is my pick for number one. I think uh, Brooklyn without Kyrie is number two. Maybe with him, they're number two. <laughs> you know, what is what is Kyrie going to do? Um, I love uh, Philly. If Ben Simmons could just, I understand they've got him a shooting coach now. Like he walked in and they said, here, let me, let us introduce you to your new shooting coach. If he could just hit a shot once in a while, his defense is incredible. He's an incredible presence for a team. Uh, I thought if you added him to uh, Brooklyn, if, if they were willing to make that swap and you've got a guy that doesn't need the ball, who's just going to be a, you know, killer defender every night. My God, I'd pick Brooklyn to be number one, no question. But that's not what happened. Um, I like Philly. I like Boston. I like uh, Chicago. Certainly Atlanta was way too low. I, I think I think Atlanta could be a home court team this year. They brought the whole squad back. They paid the money to Collins, and you're that's mostly young players. And it looks like they've all taken that step over the summer, which is the same thing we said about Phoenix. So I like I like your group a lot. The only thing uh, I'm not a believer in the Knicks in particular, um, and then Indiana. I like Indiana. Rick Carlisle's back. He knows the the city. You know he's got some history with the team, and I and I think he's a next level coach. He can get them 
though the roster is not dramatically improved, the coaching staff improved. And that makes a big difference, especially with someone like Rick. I think he's the second best coach in the league behind uh, Greg Popovich. So I'll, I'll bump Indiana up a little bit, but otherwise we're pretty much spot on there, Randy. And Randy, can I, I, Bill was right. I totally disregarded. I had a brain cramp. I disregarded the Atlanta Hawks. So I, if I can, can I revise and put them in the equation here properly? Absolutely. Yeah. You, you are forgiving us. You can do that. Thank you. I would, again, I'm going to stick, it's basically going to be the same, except the Hawks are going in as the, uh, as the five actually. So it's going to be Brooklyn, Philly, Milwaukee. Then I have your top dog. Miami is number four, Atlanta. And then I have Boston, New York, and Carlisle's Indiana Pacers. So that, and I'm sorry, no, the the Bulls and then Carlisle's Indiana Pacers is eight. So that's my top eight. Okay. I don't think there's a wrong answer. Obviously, time will tell on where we're going to go. We're not going to know the, the exact answer until April. Right. But I, but, but I will say this. It's fun to, to sort of nitpick and, and pick in the preseason because God knows one injury like to Trey Young will knock them out totally. An injury to Jason Tatum could knock out the Celtics totally. Yeah. But I just but, don't want to pretend like the Atlanta Hawks don't exist after making the conference finals. So I know I'll hear about it from fans that are uh, Hawks no, fans that are listening. Won't, you won't hear about it because for the, they, they didn't exist for the last 20 years before this. So it doesn't really <laughs> matter. So it doesn't really matter <laughs> anyway. Uh, you can say, say the same thing about the Nets before 02. You know, like they, right. they did, no, until, until the Nets made the finals with Jason Kidd. They were a one-year, one you know, one-year wonders in the playoffs for for a long time. Uh, Rick, let's let's do a, a couple of plugs here. Let's plug the website and plug the book. Sure. So the web website is I don't know if you can see that is James Harden. It's netsinsider.com. Shameless plug. And the um, <laughs> and uh, the the book that will be is basically entitled History of the Nets will be coming out early 2022. Um, so look for that in bookstores. I can't give specific bookstore names, but I can just say in the tri-state area, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area, that'll be coming out probably in the February to March timeframe. So any net fans, frankly, just you're interested in colloquial New Jersey, New York history of, you know, the Nets wanderings throughout all these different arenas, just take a look, pick up the book and uh, it's some cool basketball history and uh, local history as well. So I may or may not have helped with that. I'm just throwing that out. Randy was instrumental. (laughs) I will, I will give you another shameless plug instrumental lining up a a great deal of the interviews for me. And I, the book would not have been the same without your contribution, Randy. So thank you. I, uh, Bill, Bill knows I'm petty that way. I need to make sure I I plug my, I pat myself on the back on the show at least once, once per show. And that was definitely that moment. Uh, I forgot you and I forgot the Hawks, Randy. So that's my bad. Well, you know what? That's not bad company to be feeling left out of. (laughs) (laughs) I feel a little bit better now. I'm not going to lie to you. Good. Uh, I'm glad. (laughs) And Bill, obviously they can find you where? Well, of course, uh, right here at the Hardwood Huddle, backsportspage.com. If I write about the NBA, I do it there. Um, the bulk of my writing is not related to sports. It's more cultural and political, and that's at uh, ishmaelslegacy.com. Uh, and, of course, we are Randy and I are sitting here behind the mic uh, as often uh, once a week doing whatever's going on with the NBA with the Hardwood Huddle. And, of course, find me, backsportspage.com, Randy BSP. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, I'm on Facebook as well. And I'm hosting a, a 
God knows how many more podcasts. Uh, I co-host the, the Nets Insider with Rick. I'm a Cut Pro Wrestling podcast, Off Topic, and uh, you know I'm all over the place. So I'm I'm sure if there's you're listening to a podcast, I'll pop up somewhere. And so with that, with that being said, we will catch you next time here on Cave Talk Radio, Backsportspage.com, and in the huddle. Until next time, we'll see you then.